Thank you for tuning in to the audio podcast of Renaissance Church, a new church plant located in Montreal, Quebec. For more information about Renaissance Church, please check out our website, renaissancemtl.com. If you would like more information about joining the launch team of Renaissance, or if you would like information on how you can partner with us to see the gospel advance in Montreal, please send us an email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com. Well, as I was thinking about um, preaching today and, and, and jumping into all this, I realized this really, this month marks two years that we've been meeting here in the school. And we're just really thankful for this place. We're thankful that really that the doors have opened, that, we be, that we're able to meet here. Uh, in this neighborhood, it's been difficult to find places and different places to rent. And so we're just really thankful that the school board allows us to rent and to be here. And Really, thinking back over two years since we started meeting here, we've seen God do incredible things. God has worked in my life. I know that God has worked in many of your lives as well, and we're just thankful for that. I'm thankful for all of you that have been a part of this and been on this journey with us as we continue to say, God, how can we see a church planted and established here in this neighborhood that points people to Jesus? So how many of you in this room, this is a really easy question, right? You guys ready for an easy question? We'll start off easy. How many of you want to live a life that makes a difference? You can answer. Yeah, I'm guessing all of us, right? I told you, it was pretty easy, right? I know that you want to live a life of significance. I know that. I know you want to make impact. I know you want your life to matter, to count for something, right? That, that phrase, I was thinking about it, I know you want your life to matter, that's a really, like, uh, pretty intense phrase because I know that, like, you do matter, like, so it's not saying that, but I know you want your life to have impact. And so here's the deal. I believe that God is at work in your life the same way that God is at work in my life, and he has given you incredible gifts and talents and skills. He has created you with purpose so that you can know and love and glorify him and live a life of impact. But the reality is, is we doubt that sometimes. We forget that and we get stuck in our own little thing and we get stuck doing this or that and we forget that God has created you and I for purpose, to bring honor and glory to him through our lives. So this morning, that's my goal. I want to challenge you with that. I want to encourage you in that. You are created for purpose, that God wants to do a lot in your life. And here's the main thing we're going to hear multiple times this morning. God wants to do far more in our lives and in our church than we can imagine. God wants to do far more in our lives and in our church than you and I can just think up and dream up on our own. And so we've been going through a series in the book of Mark, so I'm going to move things out of the way here. We've been going through a series called Follow Jesus, and so that's kind of on pause today because I want us to think about renaissance and what is the vision, what is God doing in our church. And Graham made a really bad joke, a dad joke at the beginning. He came up to me earlier, he said, hey, you need, if you're going to talk about vision, you need to weave in like the fact that it's almost 2020, that you can have 2020 vision. I'm not doing that, right? Thanks, Graham, for a really bad joke. But we want to think about vision. What is God doing in our church and where is he leading us and what's who do we want to be? This is this question. As a church, this is a good question to think about. Who do we want to be when we grow up? Right? As a kid, or maybe if you are a kid in here this morning, what did you want to be when you grew up? Or if you are a kid, what do you want to be? Or maybe you're like in college and you're like, I don't know, I still got to grow up and get there. But I want you to think and turn to someone and say, hey, I want to be this or this is what I wanted to be when I grew up. Okay, turn to someone, tell them, tell them what you want to be.
All right, so we probably have some like astronauts and firemen and athletes. Anything else? What else? Okay, so all of us, like, we think about that. We want to be something, and we still, like, most of the time, even as adults, we're like aiming towards something. But when we're a kid, we want to be something. For me, I wanted to be a professional athlete, whether it was basketball, which my wife would not advise that, or baseball, right? It's sad to say that it hasn't worked out yet, right? I'm almost 38, but I'm holding out hope that I'm going to get that tryout, that I'm going to be able to play baseball for, like, professional. I'm joking. I could not do that, right? But uh, I'm still holding out. Maybe there's hope. Maybe there's some way. Like, this is, you know, for the Canadians in the room, like, I think that if I just dedicated my life to curling for a couple months, I could go to the Olympics. So, We'll see. I could be wrong. I don't know, but I still want to be a professional athlete. Sorry if that offends any of our professional curlers in the room, right? But, so as a church, who do we want to be when we grow up? What do we want our church to look like? When we think in terms of five years, 10 years, 20 years, what do we want to see happening? And here is what I feel like God has put on my heart and what God has put on the heart of the leadership of this church is this, is that we want to be and side note, this isn't a nice little compact statement. This is just a stream of thought. So hang with me, right? We want to be a healthy, thriving church that is seeing people come to know and love and follow Jesus. Their lives being transformed by him. We want to see people growing in their faith and living it out in their everyday lives. We want to serve and love our neighbors and impact our community and impact the nations. We want to see people being developed to plant churches, to join with church planting teams and see churches planted in other parts of the city and other parts of the world, we want to be a conduit for God to work in us so that he will work through us. To be a healthy, thriving church where people are transformed and walking with Jesus and living out their faith. Here's the deal. This will not happen in our own power. And it can't be done for our own glory If we do it just to make a name for ourselves or draw attention to ourselves, then it's not going to work. And it won't happen without the work of God in our lives as individuals and without the work of God in our church as a community. Let's read our scripture together today. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 14 through 21. And um, as we read this, Paul is praying for the Christians in a city called Ephesus. So that he's actually writing down what he's praying. So here's what it says. Paul writes, or praise. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. What an incredible passage where Paul is writing and praying for this church community in Ephesus. And if we look at that again, he starts off by saying, for this reason. So we kind of jump in mid-thought. Well, what's the reason? Why is Paul praying? He's praying, if you look back through the whole kind of context of Ephesians, Paul is talking about the beauty of the gospel that has changed their lives. The beauty of the message of Jesus 
that has changed their lives. And so it's as if Paul is saying, look at what Jesus has done. And because of that, for this reason, I'm praying that you're going to experience this and know this in your own life as well. The gospel, the message of Jesus, is driving everything he's doing and saying. And so to be upfront, and we talk about it often, but what is the gospel? It's that we have a God who has loved us enough that even in our sin and rebellion, and our sin and rebellion has separated us from God, but because of his love for us, he sent his son Jesus. And Jesus lived a sinless, perfect life and died on the cross to pay for my sin and to pay for your sin. And Jesus rose from the dead, conquering death. And what it means is that you and I no longer have to do our best so that God will love us. We no longer have to like make our way through life hoping that everything's going to be okay. We can put our faith and trust in Jesus who has done everything for you and I. This is good news. And it's Paul saying, for this reason, listen to this, pay attention. This is what Jesus has done. And because of this, Paul is praying for him. It's this good news that, anim- that, this good news that animates and motivates us as a church. That we build our lives on this truth. That we can't fix our own lives, but Jesus has done everything for us. It's how we come into relationship with God, and it's how we live out our daily lives in him. And this is good news, and we can sometimes skip over it. We can sometimes try to move past it, and yet it is the message that motivates everything that Paul is doing here. For this reason, I pray for you that you will see the work of God in your life. So when we look at the passage again, in general, Paul is praying for the Ephesian believers that they will glorify God as they are strengthened and rooted in the love of God, experiencing the fullness of the abundant work of God in and through their lives. Paul wants to see great things happening in these believers, in their church. So what does that look like for us? There's two things I want to look at today. First of all, the work of God in your life. And secondly, the work of God in our church. Simple, but that's where we're going to dive into with, these, with our sermon today. So, first of all, the work of God in your life. And really, when you look at verses 14 through 19, the first part of this passage, it's where we see this. And as we start, Paul, he's praying, he's on his knees, he's humbled and praying for God to do big things in the lives of the Ephesian believers. Right? He even says, I'm on my knees. He's pointing out there is a humility here where he is crying out to God. And he starts out in verse 16, if you look there, and he says, according to the riches of his glory. So from the beginning, Paul's prayer isn't just happy thoughts of, or, or like well-wishing. These prayers are based on the glory, the grace, and the power of God doing his work in his people. Paul says, according to to the riches of his glory. He's saying, look at God. Look at Jesus, what he has done. This is why I'm praying for you. And so what's Paul praying? When we look at these verses, what is he asking that will happen in them? And there's four things. We're going to look at these as we go through. He prays that they will be strengthened, that they'll be transformed, that they'll be rooted, and that they will be filled. So let's break these down a little bit. First of all, he prays that they'll be strengthened. So in verse 16, again, he says, strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. In verse 18, again, he says that you'll have strength to comprehend the extent of God's love. Paul prays that they'll be strengthened. I am thankful that we have a God who gives strength. Are you thankful for that this morning? That we have a God that we can run to, that he strengthens us. He enables us to comprehend who he is. He enables us to follow him and to walk with him. He gives strength. And as we look at how Paul prays for them, know today that God wants you 
to be strengthened in him. And maybe today you need to say, yeah, I need God's strength because I'm weak. It's a pretty good place to be, actually, to say, God, I need you because I can't do it on my own. So Paul prays that, we'll be, that they will be strengthened. We think about it in our own lives that we have the promise and the faithfulness of God. He says, I will strengthen you. I am strong. I am mighty. You can depend on me. Secondly, Paul says, he prays that they will be transformed. Verse 17, he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And he points out again, he says, strengthen his power through his spirit in your inner being. He's praying all these things, and what I get here is a picture of transformation, of life that is different, of life that is changed. Transformation, transformation is being changed from the inside out. Something inside of us changing and impacting the rest of our life. It's, it is a total change in our lives and in our community that doesn't make sense without the work of Jesus in us. And so Paul is praying that they will be transformed, that their lives will be changed by Jesus, that their inner being will be different because of the work of Jesus. Let's face it, we love the idea of transformation. We think it's great, but we're really not very good at it, okay? So here's an example. Think about our physical bodies for a moment, right? And some, some people are like, I don't want to think about my physical body, but that's okay. Think about your body for a moment. Who in this room would really just love to transform your body to being just like in great shape, toned, fit, and with like great abs and all of that stuff, right? Yeah, we all like, yes, I would love to be in great shape. I'd love to be healthy. This is all a good thing. Now, it is possible to do this, right? takes a lot of time and effort, and the moment that you let up, what happens? Negative transformation happens, right? It's pretty easy to go the other direction because we can sit and eat and do nothing and experience transformation in our physical bodies, right? It's very, very possible. It's much easier than the, than the other kind of transformation where we're actually changing. So we like the idea. Our desire for transformation is why people watch home renovation shows, which is weird. Like, I watch them sometimes. I'll sit down and be like, oh, wow, what are they going to do to this house? I don't really care about these people's house, but I end up watching it. Why? Because it's wired into us that we like the idea of seeing something going from being broken to being incredible. We like the idea of transformation, right? It's weird to sit and watch somebody else's house be remodeled, but they keep making these shows because apparently people are watching them, right? We love the idea of transformation. So Paul is praying for Paul's prayer is for heart change, for transformation in these people that comes through the work of Jesus in their lives. It's the same for us. That God is desiring that transformation happens in our lives, not by our own goodness, but by the work of Jesus in our lives. The third thing that Paul asks for, he says that they will be rooted and grounded in love. The prayer here kind of keeps building on itself, right? He says they'll be strengthened, transformed, rooted, and grounded in the love of God so that they can comprehend the extent of God's love. This is an incredibly beautiful passage to think about here, the prayer that Paul gives. Think about, Paul says, I want you to understand. I want you to be rooted and established so much in the love of God that you start to get a feel for how wide and long and high and deep this love is. What Paul is painting a picture of here is we will never understand the greatness and the vastness of the love of God for you and I. But as we are rooted, as we are grounded in him, day after day, we start to get a glimpse. Wow, God, the love that you have for me is bigger than I ever could comprehend. It is so wide and long and high and deep. 
Oh, that we would know this love in our lives. And here's what I want you to know today is that God loves you. That he has shown his love by sending his own son, Jesus, to pay for the price for our sin. That even in our weakness, even our, our, our fragility and our sin and our rebellion and all of these things, that God says, I love you. And he pursues you that we would be transformed by him. That God's love is bigger and more than we fully can understand. And here is our prayer that we would be rooted and grounded in this love. And here's why. When we know that we are loved and accepted by God, it changes everything. Because otherwise, we are seeking and looking and trying really hard for love and acceptance and all kinds of other things in our lives. We run to all these things to find fulfillment, to find love, to find acceptance. But when we understand and we are rooted and grounded and connected into the love of God, we say, man, I don't need anything else. It's enough. It changes our identity. It changes, it causes us to live with, simultaneously to live with humility and with confidence. That we're humbled that God would love us in our weakness. And yet we're confident because we say, what can happen? I am loved by the God of the universe. That I'm rooted and grounded in him. Paul prays and says that they may be rooted and grounded. And finally, Paul prays that they will be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul closes and says that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I'm not quite sure what to do with that phrase, because think about that. That's pretty crazy, right? Can I handle that? The fullness of God in my life. Can you handle it? Am I worthy of it? No, I'm not, and neither are you. We have to be not careful, but think about that. Paul is saying that they will be filled with all the fullness of God. This is a crazy thought, but this is God's plan for you and I, that our lives are transformed by Jesus and filled with the fullness of the Spirit of God in us. That when you put your faith in Jesus, when you trust him and follow him with your life, we have the promise of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. And as you grow in your faith and walk closely with Jesus, God wants to fill you with his fullness. I don't always know what that looks like, but here's what I know, that when we're filled with the fullness of God, we are walking with a gratitude towards God. We are thankful. We're walking where people are looking at our lives and saying, what is happening in that person? Because the fullness of God is overflowing out of our lives. It changes the way we think. It changes the way we view the world. It changes the way that we love and interact with other people because we are filled with the fullness of God. And here's what else it means. It means we're not filled with the fullness of ourselves. Because usually that's where we live. That's where we hang out. We're filled with ourselves. Some people, full of themselves. We all know those people. Some people are just so like, you guys know Eeyore from like Winnie the Pooh, right? Some people are just like, everything's terrible. And they just have no like, uh, yeah, that's just how they live. They're, they're, they're Eeyore. And they, they're not filled with anything. They're just hopeless. They're living in their lives hopeless. And yet Paul says, no, that's not it. That's not what God has in store for you. You can be filled with the fullness of God. Again, not by your own goodness, not by your own effort, but by the grace of God in your lives. So how does this connect 
to the vision of renaissance. And here's where I want to turn it back towards you. This idea, again, of our main point that God wants to do far more in our lives, in our church, than we can imagine. The vision of renaissance is what? It's a church filled with transformed lives. Me, you, the people that you live with, the people you work around, the people that are in your neighborhood, your friends, our community. Renaissance, our heart and passion is to be a church filled with people that say, it's not about me. I'm saved by God's grace, and yet I am confident in the love of God in my life that he has changed me, that we would be a church filled with people of transformed lives. And here's why it matters for you, because being strengthened, transformed, rooted, and filled will impact every single part of your life. That when that is happening in you, you're finding your life in Jesus. You're rooted in him. You're understanding more and more the depth of the love of God for you. It changes your identity where you say, man, my life is not about me. My life is built on Jesus. And I don't have to go fix myself. I don't have to go find my own way. I don't have to find my fulfillment in what I can do or what other people do for me. I find my fulfillment in my identity in Jesus. And it changes everything. It changes what you're passionate about. It changes your desires of how you want to spend your life, how you want to spend your time, how you want to spend your money, how you make your decisions. That's a little scary because it's not just like, oh, here's some happy thoughts. God loves you. That's true. But God is saying, come to me. Find your life in me. Find your identity in me. But it changes everything because he asks us to follow him, to lay down everything, to say, okay, here's my life. Do what you want to do. Now, here's the beauty of that. I think God has given us things that we love to do, things we're passionate about. And God's not a God that just kind of rips those away. But God wants to take our lives and mold us and shape us where we say, okay, if everything was stripped away, Christ is enough for me. And when we build our lives upon him, it changes the way we view the world. This is the transforming work of Jesus in your life. And it's not just something we talk about on Sunday. It's not just nice words because here's what happens when we are strengthened and transformed and rooted and filled in Christ. It brings joy in our lives. It brings peace. It brings purpose. It brings hope. It brings us to a point where we say, okay, this is why God created me. This is why I'm here, to bring glory and honor to him. The work of God in our lives, in mine and yours, is not just for us because God wants to do far more in our lives, and in our church than we can imagine. All right? Everybody awake? You guys with me? Let's move on to the second part here. That God, that the work of God, talking about the work of God in our church. I'm going to read these verses again, verses 20 and 21, and Paul writes, Now to him, talking about God, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So what do we see here? First of all, we see this. This is all about God's glory. This is kind of a weird idea. What is this? What is God's glory? It really is, is God the one getting the attention, or is it us? Giving God glory is putting the spotlight on him. And this verse starts with, it, Paul starts out, this, this, can't speak anymore. I'm okay. Everything's okay. We start with, now to him. What's that mean? Now to him. It means that this is all about 
God. It's for his glory. We see it again in verse 21. To him be glory in the church and in future generations. Above everything, you and I and this church exists to bring glory to God, to point to him, to draw attention to him, to shine a light on him. That's what this is all about. It's about God. It's, about, it's not about us. We flip that around far too often, and we make it about us. As a church, we, we could do that. We could say, hey, we're here this is us, please notice us, please see our signs, please come, please make us big, please, that's not our heart. Our heart is to say, how can we bring glory to God? How can we live obediently to him so that everything is about him and points to him? And it matters in our own lives too, of like, are we living just to draw attention to ourselves, to see ourselves fulfilled, or are we living to say, God, my life is for you, and I want you to be glorified through my life, my work, my career, my family, all of these things, that you would be glorified. This is the reason for why we do what we do, right? Why, Why plant a church in the little Burgundy neighborhood of Montreal? Because we want to see God glorified here. We want to see people loving and following Jesus. Why send out Voyage Church? Right? Why did Ben and Alyssa move here and plant their lives here to see a church planted in Cotonej? Why? So that God will be glorified. Why do we pray for changed lives? Why do we pray for more church plants? Why do we serve our community? So that God gets the glory. So that he gets the headline. So that in a sense that he goes viral and not us. It's drawing attention to Jesus in all that we do. Kind of along with that, we asked that question, why plant a church in this neighborhood? And we, we kind of talked about it earlier. Why, why did we move from Point St. Charles? So this summer, we were in Point St. Charles, and we met in this beautiful church building with something really good called air conditioning, right? Um, and really beautiful ceilings and stained glass, and it was wonderful, right? And it was this beautiful place. And so some people may be like, why are we back in this hot green gym, Right? Here's why, right? As we prayed and thought this summer, God, what are you doing in our church? Maybe God, we thought, maybe God is opening a door that we could meet in Point St. Charles, that we could be there. But as we thought and prayed and wrestled through that, we said, we feel like God wants us to be right here in Little Burgundy, back in this hot green gym, in this neighborhood, serving and loving people. Here's why. Renaissance has been in Little Burgundy area for almost four and a half, almost close to five years now. But there have been people here seeking to see people love and follow Jesus. It's been a long road in a lot of ways. Some of you have been part of it for a long time, but here's something that I think I've seen this summer more than ever before, and I think Graham and Ben and and some of the others may, may agree. We have seen relationships open this summer more than ever before in this community. We've seen people coming to us, going out of their way, community leaders to come to us as the church and say, thank you guys for what you do. We've seen people saying, hey, can we borrow some of your stuff? Which seems kind of weird, but what it tells me is they're starting to trust us, right? They're starting to know, like, hey, these guys are part of the community, and they'll, they want to be part of the community. And so as we prayed and said, what is God doing? I think more than ever that God is opening doors in this neighborhood, that people are beginning to trust this church. And what I'm praying and what I want to ask you to pray with us is that that, that begins to translate into people saying, okay, I want to go see what they're all about. I want to hear what they're talking about. And that we will see lives and hearts changed by Jesus. It's why we are in this neighborhood. We feel like God has put us here for a time, for a purpose, so that he is glorified. Because it's not about us. I believe that God is at work in this neighborhood. And so I'm willing, 
to be in a gym that's green and hot and set up everything if that's where God's going to be most glorified. And that's what we want to do as a church. And so the moment that we forget that this is all about God and about bringing him glory, that's when we get in trouble, right? Because we exist for the glory of God. This is all about God. So the work that God wants to do in our church is not about us. It's about him. And secondly, we see that God has far bigger plans than any of us have on our own. Verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. This verse is kind of over the top, right? Track with me here. He says he's able, right? That would have been enough. Paul said God is able. Okay, cool. He's, he's able. He's capable, right? But, but Paul says he's able to do more. Well, he added a word, far more, right? He, so it's kinda, he keeps going. And then he says abundantly. I don't know if this was necessary, but Paul says he's able to do far more abundantly, right? He could have added like a super duper in there or something. I don't know. But Paul keeps building and saying, hey, listen, I'm gonna, Paul uses language that's over the top to say, think about who this God is, that he is able to do far more abundantly extra than we can imagine. That all that we ask or think. So Paul even says, I'll do more than you even ask. I'll do more than you even think about. The things that are in the back of your mind that you don't even ask, I'm going to do more. So it's kind of over the top, but Paul is saying this, I believe, that we should not try to limit God or try to put him in some sort of box of saying, okay, God, we think you're going to do this, and we want you to do this, and we need you to do this. We easily limit God in our lives. And we forget that he wants to do more than we can imagine. This is really hard for me. I think too small, and I know that I do, right? I probably could have been a professional curler long ago, but I'm not. I think too small, right? You guys have to laugh at my jokes. This is not going to work if you don't. No, so, no, I think too small, right? So many times I only see what's right in front of me. And too often, I can't really get myself stepping back far enough to see the big picture. But when I look at this verse, and I'm reminded of what God wants to do, and I say, okay, God, expand my thinking, expand our thinking, expand our vision as a church. Do more than we can even dream about. And I think there's a little bit of this. It's a good thing, right? God's not showing us everything. I think God, what God is saying is if you'll walk with me, if you'll trust me, if you'll build your life on me, I'm going to do more than you can have ever imagine. That when you get 20, 30, 40 years from now and look back, you go, God did more than I could ever have imagined. And that's a good thing. But we cannot limit God. He is a mighty God, the creator, the sustainer of all things. How dare we limit him? How dare we say, oh, God's going to, we want God to do this, but we don't really trust him to do that. And, you know, that seems too much to ask for, for God to do, you know, whatever it is. And, what, and so maybe that's in your own personal life. There's things that you know, man, I pray that this will happen, but in the back of your mind, like, I don't really think God will do that. We can't limit God because he wants to do more than we can imagine. God wants to do far more in our lives and in our church than we can imagine. And so we have to trust him, to take him at his word. This is why we want to plant more churches. It's why today we send out Voyage Church and their launch team. It's why we want to multiply ourselves. Because even though it doesn't make sense to us, we want to trust God. It doesn't make sense to us to send out some amazing people and say, yes, don't come to this church anymore. Go start something new. 
human reason, if it was all just human reason, it's like, no, let's all stay here together, right? But we want to say, God, we don't see all the end. We don't see the big picture. But God, we don't want to limit you. Would you do more than we can imagine? Because even though it doesn't make sense, we want to trust God. We want to see something bigger happen than we can ever dream up. So this is about God's glory. And the second part, and kind of the final point here in this verse, verse 21, this matters for future generations. What's Paul say? To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. He says, to God be glory in him. To him be glory. Where? He points out two things. In the church and throughout all generations. So again, we come back to this point that we exist for God's glory and we exist for future generations. It all comes back to this fact that it's about God. It's not about us. That God wants to do things that we can't see right now. And I pray that Renaissance will see fruitful years of ministry and impact long after you and I are gone. Here's where I sometimes, I, can't, I just can't wrap my mind around it. What's this church going to look like in 30 years, 40 years, 50 years? My prayer is that we will see, maybe we won't see it, right? But my prayer is that there will be lives being changed and transformed. Why? Because we, right now, will walk obediently with Jesus and say, how can we transform, how can we see Jesus work in our lives? 